All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I am your host, Tom Traplin, and uh, this is the podcast where we talk about building bigger, better, and better, and more successful game stores. Uh, today's topic is going to be something that's a little bit different. It's a, a little more serious, not that building a bigger business isn't a serious topic, but this is a little more of a concerning topic, I would assume, uh, and I'm sure you'll agree with me as we get into it. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing... You've probably seen the chatter. Uh, you know, it's been uh, coronavirus has become a uh, a hot topic in the last couple of weeks. Uh, the mainstream media is really starting to take a notice of the whole thing. The situation all over the planet is is uh, starting to get a little out of hand. So today we're going to talk about uh, some of the impacts of the coronavirus, what we can do about it, uh, what is going to what's going to happen to your business or how it might affect your business. Uh, and, and yeah, we're going to just get into that. Uh, I wanted to do this episode mainly because I know there are a lot of store owners out there who are uh, deeply concerned with what's going to happen or they, they're brushing it off. And I think uh, you know, playing this down, while that may make you feel better, I think that is a, uh, a bad move. That's, that's not a good way to handle this. I think this is more... More risky for the for those of you who think that you know this isn't much worse. It's no worse than the flu. The flu infects more people. Uh, I'm I'm hoping I can change your mind on that one, and and uh, that you really should keep an eye on what's happening and keep this in mind, and uh, maybe you know take some preparations or something like that. Uh, but I wanted to do this now because uh, you know this thing is is happening now, and I kind of have to do it outside of the original continuity of the show, so this is a more of a timely episode as opposed to some of the content that I usually put out, which is, you know, hopefully uh, useful, evergreen, all the time, you know, tactics and strategies and stuff like that. So uh, to start off, I want to read through a uh, Twitter thread real quick that I think gives a great breakdown of exactly what the situation actually is and maybe gives you an idea as to uh, some of the numbers and... Uh, you know, it gives you a better idea, a better picture of what the situation is around the world, and, and specifically in the U.S., uh, Canada, you know, uh, Europe, everywhere is going to be affected by this. But this is from the position of the U.S., and since most of you guys are guys and gals are in the U.S., this is uh, highly relevant to you. So this is from Liz Specht. Specht. I don't know exactly how to pronounce the last name. I'm sure she's not listening to this, so if I butcher her name, that's you know, no big deal. Uh, She's a associate director of science and technology at uh, Good Food Institute, supporting alternative proteins for a sustainable food future. Uh, blah 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 blah. Twitter, you know. Uh, keep in mind, the 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 numbers are not necessarily uh, debatable at this point. Uh, the credentials, who knows? But take it with a grain of salt. So she starts off by saying, I think most people aren't aware of the systemic healthcare failure due to COVID-19 because they simply haven't run the numbers yet. So let's talk math. Let's conservatively say that there are some 2,000 current cases in the U.S. And this was as of March 6th, so it's currently the 11th that I'm recording this. So this was five days ago. Keep that in mind as we talk about this. March 6th. This is about eight times the number of confirmed lab-diagnosed cases. We know there is a substantial under- DX due to lack of test kits, so under-tested. Uh, I'll address implications of over-under estimate. We can expect that we'll continue to see a doubling of cases every six days. This is a typical doubling time across several epidemiological studies. Here I mean actual cases. Confirmed cases may appear to rise faster in the short term due to new test kit rollouts. 
Uh, we're looking at about 1 million U.S. cases by the end of April, 2 million by May 5th, 4 million by May 11th, and so on. Exponentials are hard to grasp, but this is how they go. As the healthcare system begins to saturate under this caseload, it will become increasingly hard to detect, track, and contain new transmission chains. In absence of extreme interventions, this likely won't slow significantly until hitting about 1% of the susceptible population. What does a caseload of this size mean for the healthcare system? Uh, we'll examine just two factors, hospital beds and masks, among many, many other things that will be impacted. Uh, the U.S. has about 2.8 hospital beds per 1,000 people. With a population of 330 million, this is about 1 million beds. At any given time, 65% of those beds are already occupied. That leaves about 330,000 beds available nationwide, perhaps a bit fewer this time of year uh, with regular flu season, etc. Uh, let's trust Italy's numbers and assume that about 10% of cases are serious enough to require hospitalization. And keep in mind that for many patients, hospitalization lasts for weeks. In other words, turnover will be very slow as beds fill with COVID-19 patients. Uh, by this estimate, we, by about May 8th, all open hospital beds in the U.S. will be filled. This is nothing, of course, about whether these beds are suitable for isolation patients with a highly infectious virus, which is definitely not the case, by the way. Uh, if we're wrong by a factor of two regarding the fraction of severe cases, that only changes the timeline of bed saturation by six days in either direction. If 20% of cases require hospitalization, we run out of beds by May 2nd, if only 5% of cases require it, we can make it until about May 14th. 2.5% gets us to May 20. This, of course, assumes that there is no uptick in demand for beds from other non-COVID-19 causes, which seems like a dubious assumption. As healthcare systems become increasingly burdened, uh, subscription or prescription sh shortages, etc., people with chronic conditions that are normally well-managed may find themselves slipping into severe states of medical distress, requiring intensive care and hospitalization. But let's ignore that for now. That's always a, a good sign when an engineer just says, here's all this terrible, terrible stuff, but let's ignore that for now. Okay, so she goes on. All right, so that's beds, now masks. Feds say that we have a national stockpile of 12 million N95 masks and 30 million surgical masks, which are not ideal, but better than nothing. There are about 18 million healthcare workers in the U.S. Let's assume that only 6 million healthcare workers are working on any given day. This is likely an underestimate, as most people work most days of the week. But again, she's playing conservative at every turn. As COVID-19 cases saturate virtually every state in the county, which seems likely to happen any day now, it will, be soon, it will soon be irresponsible for all healthcare workers to not wear a mask. These healthcare workers will burn through the N95 stockpile in two days, if each healthcare worker only got one mask per day. One mask per day would be neither sanitary nor pragmatic, though this is indeed what we saw in Wuhan, with healthcare, healthcare workers collapsing on their shift from dehydration because they were trying to avoid changing their PPE suits as they can't be reused. How quickly could we ramp up production of new masks? Not very fast at all. The vast majority are manufactured overseas, almost all in China. Even when manufactured here in the U.S., the raw materials are predominantly from overseas, again, predominantly from China. Keep in mind that all countries globally will be going through the exact same crisis and shortages simultaneously. We can't force trade in our favor. Now consider just these two factors, beds and masks shortages, compound each other's severity. Full hospitals, plus few masks, plus healthcare workers running around between beds without proper personal protection equipment equals a very bad mix. 
Healthcare workers are already getting infected, even without access to the full PPE. In the face of PPE limitations this severe, it's only a matter of time. Healthcare workers will start dropping from the workforce for weeks at a time, leading to a shortage of healthcare workers that then further compounds both issues above. We could go on and on about thousands of factors, number of ventilators, or even simple things like saline drip bags, but you see where this is going. Importantly, I cannot stress this enough, even if I'm wrong, even very wrong, about core assumptions like percentage of severe cases or current case number, it only changes the timeline by weeks or days. This is how exponential growth in an immunologically naive population works. So that's a, that's a good summary of the whole thing. We don't have to go pretty crazy about this. She goes on to talk about, uh, you know, the, the mortality rate being estimated at about 2%, uh, uh, more accurate numbers, or more recent numbers, not necessarily accurate yet, we don't know for sure, but more recent numbers say up to 3.4%. Obviously, it's uh, very heavily weighted. The older you are, the higher the mortality rate, the lower you are, or the younger the age, the lower the mortality rate. But overall, 3.4% is uh, quite a scary number, especially when you consider uh, the people who are saying that the, the flu infects, you know, 41 million people a year and nobody cares about the flu. There's no panic about the flu. It's because this is a new virus and the mortality rate is about 30 times higher. And the infectious rate is also uh, considerably higher than the flu. So for the people who are just saying it's not, not as bad as the flu, it's not as bad as the flu yet. And the flu still knocks people out. It still takes people, like it still kills people. It's still a dangerous enough disease that people need to care about it. And, the, you know, we have vaccines every year to fight the flu because of that kind of thing. This is very important to keep in mind. So that is the state of the situation. Whether or not you think it's as bad as she does, as bad as uh, Liz thinks it is, whether or not you think COVID-19 or the flu or, or coronavirus is going to be uh, it's blown over, right? Maybe it's maybe you think it's just another SARS, it's another swine flu, whatever, right? It's you know it's one of those scare tactics, or it's a, a panic that's just kind of being pushed around because you know that's kind of like it's exciting for the news cycle. If that's your position, even if that's true, it doesn't matter because the panic and the fear is real, and governments are taking this seriously. Which means that you at least, even if the disease, even if coronavirus and turns out to be uh, a big nothing burger. And, you know, it doesn't really go anywhere and, you know, people, the, it's not as bad as, as we're seeing it is. Even if that's somehow the case, you still need to take it seriously because the effect will still be there. It'll still have an effect on your, uh, it'll still have effect on supply chains. It'll still have effect on the economy. The, the market is, you know, taking a beating right now. There's lots of reasons for you to take this seriously, even if you don't think the disease itself is a major problem. So it's going to affect all retail. All businesses are going to be impacted by this, most likely. But since, you know, game stores are a unique business model, you're very focused on face-to-face -face interaction, we have some very uh, specific concerns that we need to be uh, need to keep in mind. Uh, I'm going to talk about the two categories that I see, mainly, that game store owners need to keep in mind. Number one is the health concerns, the just the... The disease itself and the impacts of the disease. And number two is going to be the economic concerns. So let's go to the health stuff first. Uh, you know, again, we're working on the assumption that this is a real disease. It's probably going to infect the majority of the population. Um, majority being somewhere between 20 and 70% up to all estimates. Which, if you expand out and, and kind of keep that in uh, and imagine what the impact of 
somewhere between 60 and 210 million people in the U.S. being infected with this over the course of, say, the next seven months based off of the exponential growth. That's most likely what's going to happen is that at, by some time in July this year, a vast majority of the world's population, not just the U.S., but the world's population will have will have been infected at least once with this disease, potentially twice, because it seems like it's biphasic, but whatever. Just if it happens, if you get sick, do you have a plan in place for what's going to happen? If you can't come to work, if you can't be part of the, the business, if you can't run things because you were essentially knocked out or potentially you have severe symptoms and you have pneumonia or something like that, uh, do you have a plan in place for the business to continue running if you can't work for up to a month, right? The, the, the effect, the impact of the disease is you can be knocked out for weeks. So what's going to happen? Do you have a, uh, a plan for, you know, uh, what happens when your employees get sick? Maybe you don't get sick. Maybe you get lucky. You, you know, you avoid it or you get the asymptomatic version. What happens if your, your employees can't come to work anymore or they're starting to, you know, have symptoms? Can they work from home? Probably not, right? Retail is a little bit tricky in that regard. Uh, also, you know, the other side of that is your customers will likely get sick. What are you going to do? to reduce the spread of the disease, right? And then economic concerns are supply chain issues. So right now, China manufacturing is is greatly reduced. Uh, Chinese New Year was just uh, a month ago. The disease coronavirus started uh, showing up pretty much immediately afterwards or around the same time. So it, it was a very ill-timed uh, emergence for this disease, during one of the biggest uh, my biggest migrations in the world, Chinese New Year, for it to uh, start to propagate at that point. But, but that's the way it worked out. Uh, Chinese manufacturing is apparently on the rebound. It's it's kind of going, it's increasing, it's getting back to what it was before, but it's been delayed by months. And if, on a side note, right now, if you've been following this, uh, the last three or four weeks or so, uh, you probably saw that the uh, case numbers in China stopped growing. They went all the way up to, I believe it was like 78,000. That's where they, they kind of capped off. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like, you know, maybe China, with their incredibly draconian enforcement of the quarantine, uh, actually stopped the spread of the virus. I, am, I think those claims are very dubious uh, for a variety of reasons. I'm... My personal opinion is that the numbers are way, way higher, I and mean, not just, uh, you know, the difference between the number of confirmed cases and the number of actual cases, because, of course, you can't test everybody. Uh, testing kits are limited. There's no way that the tested confirmed cases is going to reflect the actual infected number of people. I think the tested cases are being played down. I think they're being suppressed in the same way that China tried to basically say there was nothing to worry about. There's no problem coronavirus wasn't really a, a major issue for the first like four weeks of the disease as this thing was exploding so right now the numbers went from zero to 77 78,000 in china and then all of a sudden about four weeks ago they stopped they stopped increasing except by more than like a couple hundred a day even then it was it was still pretty rare uh, china claims that it was a uh, you know their quarantine efforts their the rapid building of all the hospitals and that sort of thing you know they finally got a lock on this they got a handle on the disease they finally got it settled i am very suspicious of that i believe that the numbers are probably way way higher and china is just 
you know, like the the Chinese Communist Party, they are doing their act, their very best to make sure that the news of what's happening does not does not get out because that is uh, exactly what they did at the beginning of the disease. Uh, there was also uh, a uh, uh, a memo, I guess, a rule that went out, uh, essentially saying that the uh, centralized government, the CCP, spoke to the regional. Uh, governors in China, all the different regions, and said basically that any new reported cases in your region, the regional governor gets is going to be punished. They're going to they're going to be paying for it. So there's a an incentive for individual cities and governors and and regions to not report cases and just say, oh yeah, it was the flu uh, or it was something else. You know, all these people who are dying, it's no big deal. It's not related to coronavirus. So there's a when you line up the incentives, you're not going to get the truth. And I think that's going to be a major problem with China. So, again, to cycle back, Chinese manufacturing is reduced. Even with the best-case scenario of the numbers are, are not as high and the number of new cases isn't exploding and China's got a handle on it, they still have a problem with their manufacturing. And that is 100% going to affect uh, a huge number of products, especially for game stores. Uh, think of all of the game pieces or board games, all of the... Uh, the items, all like, like the the little stock, uh, stock uh, food stuffs and things like that. There's all kinds of stuff that are manufactured in China or are reliant on some way in manufacturing from China, and that is going to be a major problem. Also, consider that shipping is going to be delayed as countries go into lockdown. Right now, uh, as of a couple of days ago, I believe Italy is now under a uh, full country quarantine. It's not just the north half or the north section of the country. Uh, the whole country has uh, basically locked down their borders, uh, full quarantine. They've told people not to leave their house, banned all public gatherings. What happens if that happens in your area? You know, uh, I know Washington State is already having some some major issues. Uh, I believe California is having some uh, some major issues. They're they're talking about doing some quarantine efforts and that sort of thing. What happens to your business when people can no longer come? When uh, well, that's a bit of an a uh, bit of an extreme. Uh, situation, but what happens when you know people just can't come anymore because there's a, a quarantine, there's a lockdown, and you know everyone is recommended to stay home. Schools close, uh, any major gatherings are, are seriously uh, discouraged. They don't want anyone to to get around because the they're trying to spread the 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 they're trying to prevent the spread of the virus. So shipping is going to be delayed. What can you do to prevent issues with restocking? You know, this is likely going to affect board games more than other products as the majority is manufactured overseas. And is there any sort of a possibility for you as the owner to maybe refocus your product lines into something else that won't be affected? Uh, like, a, like you know, cards, card games that are manufactured in the U.S. In some, in some case are probably not going to be as affected and you'll still be able to like sell those products without it being a big deal. Uh, do you... This is kind of the thing that people make the most fun of. Do you have enough of basic items like toilet paper? Uh, toilet paper, like, as soon as the mainstream media started reporting on this, toilet paper had a massive run. And that kind of became uh, one of the criticisms of the whole, you know, people are panicking, how dumb are they? Uh, for some reason, people are going and, and buying up all the toilet paper. Do you, you know, whether or not that's the right move, or that's just a, an example of somebody being uh, silly because they're panicking and they're afraid, you, as the business owner, are still going to have to deal with the fact that now you can't buy toilet paper anymore. So do you have things like that to outlast a prolonged shortage? Do you have stock? Uh, another concern, do you have enough 
set aside? Do you have enough money? Do you have a war chest? Set aside enough savings to float the business if sales are reduced for the next six months. Right? Right now, we're just assuming that it's just slightly bad. Let's just say, you know, lots of people get infected, but it's like the flu. Uh, you know, they get over it. Most people survive. It's not a big deal. But even then, if there are just tons and tons of sick people and the general uh, melange, people just don't want to go out anymore because they're afraid of getting infected. That's obviously going to reduce, you know, the number of people that are coming out to your events. That's going to reduce the people who are coming out to just shop in your store. Uh, like every other retail situation, can your business survive a big decline in sales? Is there a way for you to uh, reduce your fist? your fixed expenses so that you can ride this out for as long as possible or as long as you need to hopefully uh you know dealing with the quarantines that's another thing what happens if your area chooses to do a heavy lockdown style quarantine you know you're going to get reduced foot traffic almost no event attendance and reduced sales and another thing to keep in mind and this is a question that i saw on um in some of the Facebook groups, was that, uh, you know, whether or not uh, insurance is some sort of a protection for you in this regard, and uh, the answer is no. Basically, unless you have a very, uh, very rare insurance policy, uh, insurance isn't going to cover this, because this is kind of like an act of God, right? Like, this is like a act of war, or uh, something like that. And insurance is just, you know, you're just out of luck, so keep that in mind. So all of these questions, uh, coronavirus is a very serious thing that we need to we need to prepare, right? Now is the time, even if uh, you know Liz's uh, predictions are very wrong, right? It only changes the timeline a little bit unless the U.S. starts to take some serious action, or unless you know. Again, this is focused on the U.S., but this applies to the whole world. Unless your country takes serious action to prevent the spread of the virus. Uh, the likelihood is that it's going to spread. Lots and lots of people are going to get sick. The healthcare system is going to become overwhelmed. And like this is this goes beyond the business as well, right? Like your personal life, do you have... Uh, like this is going to affect you on a personal human level, not just on the business level. It's not just going to be a minor annoyance. But even if they do go into the hard lockdown and do those uh, serious measures to prevent the spread, your business will suffer either way. So you need to be prepared to to deal with this uh so just some quick recommendations uh you know if, if you have any questions or if you have any comments or if you feel like this is all uh, poppycock and you know this isn't going to mount to anything you know feel free to let me know i, I would be happy to uh, to have a conversation with you and, and talk to you about that uh so recommendations number one personal stuff have food water basic supplies on hand uh don't let anyone shame you into you know preparing for something like this, like coronavirus. Uh, disasters happen, uh, tornadoes, floods, stuff happens, uh, you know, disease happens. Having a few extra weeks, you know, like up to a month's worth of food in your house, uh, some extra water, just some jugs of water for, you know, just in case, is always a good idea. And at the very worst, you know, you get to eat your mistakes in case nothing happens and it all blows over, then you just have more food. It's not a big deal. But you need to have at least some basic supplies in your house ready to take care of you and your, your family. Uh, prepare to self-isolate self if necessary. You know, if you do start feeling sick or if you do start uh, showing some symptoms, uh, it's, it's a good idea for you to self-isolate and just basically quarantine yourself. You know, it's... 
like unless you're suffering from really serious symptoms of the actual uh, pneumonia and you're, you can't breathe or something like that, you need to be hospitalized. The best case scenario is you stay at home and you just take it easy, right? So you got the flu, it's really bad, it's rough. You drink your chicken soup and you, you know, watch TV or whatever and you surf the internet and you, uh, you know, you chat on Facebook or whatever you got to do. But you have to be prepared to, to stay at home and, you know, not go out for a long time. Uh, you know, obvious uh, good tips that everybody should be always paying attention to, but especially now, wash your hands a lot. Avoid touching your face. Uh, you know, you will likely be infected. That's just the, the nature of this thing right now. There's a very good chance that you will be infected at some point. You may not get the serious case. You may not get the, uh, you know, the mild symptoms. You could be completely asymptomatic. You could be infected and not even know it. But... It, Chances are you will be infected or someone you know will be, so you should be prepared to be knocked out for a while. Uh, number two, put a plan in place if you can't work for up to a month, maybe even longer, ideally. Does your manager or your team know how to do orders or take care of the other admin tasks You know, as from you as the owner? Do you have a chain of command in place? What happens if you can't be there? You need some sort of a plan in place so that if you know one day in the next couple of months, couple of weeks, right... If you start feeling serious symptoms and you need to, either you can't work or you feel like you need to take yourself out of the situation and prevent the spread, you need to be able to have your team continue the business or else you're basically just going to shutter the doors and I'm sure that's going to be a, uh, a major issue. The goal here is to make it so that your business survives. You know, you, well, we want you to survive too, obviously. I want you to live. Uh, so, I'm, you know, I'm hoping that... Uh, that you don't suffer too greatly, but we want your business to survive this as well. And that's, uh, that's what we're talking about. Uh, and then, you know, on that somewhat morbid note, what does happen in the extreme case where you die? Not, not a fun thing to think about, right? But this is something that everyone's got to consider. Uh, you know, at some point in your, the life of your business, you should think about doing this. If you're near the, uh, you know, if you're about to retire or if you are just old or something like that, do you have, a, uh, a plan in place to handle a transition, right? If you die and, you know, maybe say you've got some business partners, what happens? Do you have an established way for, for you to uh, divvy up part of the ownership? Or does the business just, you know, does it fold, right? Because, like, this kind of thing can destroy a very profitable, very successful business if these kinds of things aren't in place. So what happens if you die? What happens if, you know, uh, one of your partners dies or... Uh, someone close to you what if you what happens if your your spouse dies right like not to say this is probably not going to happen again the mortality rates relatively low for people who are younger uh, you are probably not going to die you're probably just going to get infected and that's really what you have to be concerned with but something to keep in mind and that's not a bad idea to just have something in place just in case uh, number three speak to your distributors and suppliers today you know, ask them if there are any items they expect to see uh, shortages of and consider stocking up on those now if you can and if it's necessary. You know, if those are things that you cannot do, you can't run your business without, uh, if it's products that you just you, know, you need to sell, you need, you need stock of this stuff, maybe now is a good time to get a little bit extra before you just can't, can't restock anymore. You know, so talk to your dis distributors and suppliers. Uh, try to keep your ear to the ground and find out what's happening. See what they're seeing. Uh, you know, is their shipping... Are they noticing uh, delays on their shipping end? Uh, you know, what, where are their, where's the stock coming from? Is it being manufactured in China? Is that a, is that going to be an issue? Uh, 
yeah, talk to your distributors, find out what's going on. And then the last one, number four, is be proactive, not reactive. Uh, we want to do this now. We want to get ahead of this. We do not want to figure this stuff out once you have the flu or once you have coronavirus and you you can't be at work anymore. That's not the time when you want to figure out, okay, who can take care of this stuff for me or who can open the doors and uh, that kind of thing. Can you do the orders and that sort of thing? So be proactive. Uh, speak to your staff about ways to reduce the spread of the disease. Uh, you know, just like I said, uh, like make sure that they wash their hands frequently. They... they uh, hopefully avoid touching their face you know like maybe there will be a time in the near future where maybe wearing a mask even just like a basic surgical mask or something like that might make sense in order to uh, reduce the spread of the disease right maybe something like that is something you need to keep in mind uh, put up guidelines for your customers as well that's something that's a little bit tricky but you know you can definitely ask them to uh, to avoid touching each other's cards and game pieces as much as possible or you know ask them to again wash your hands that's probably one of the uh, the easiest and most effective ways to prevent the spread of the disease just constantly washing your hands because uh coronavirus is is very much a it's a lung nose mouth you know you cough droplets of water in the air you you know you cough into your elbow or you scratch your eyes or you you rub your nose or something like that you uh, apparently this thing is uh extremely durable and can last outside the body for days and it can last on a hard surface for for a long time apparently it can also cling to the air for up to 30 minutes so, uh, so this thing is highly infectious and you need to take steps to prevent uh well to protect yourself to protect your customers to protect your business you need to do something uh uh, that, that's essentially it. I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the coronavirus and, you know, where I'm coming at it from uh, what I've read, what I've taken in, and uh, the situation as I see it. If you <coughs> if you disagree, feel free to let me know. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, you know, if if you've seen things, if you are on the ground and you've seen it already affect your business, you've seen, you're in the, one of the quarantine zones, uh, let me know what's happening. I would really like to know. Uh, what is going on in your area and how you're affecting you or how it's affecting your business and, uh, you know, maybe what you've done to to help mitigate some of the issues. Uh, but, yeah, that's it for the episode today. It's going to be relatively quick. I just wanted to get this out there uh, because, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a major concern and I want you guys and gals to be safe. I want you to, you know, to I want your businesses to, to thrive. Ideally, I want this to not be as bad as it's going to be, or as at least I think it's going to be. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to, to get out there and, and maybe help you take some steps to avoid some, some real issues. Uh, yeah, that being said, uh, you know, uh, we've got some other content coming out on the podcast real soon. I am working on quite a few things in the back end. Uh, I'm pretty excited about. Uh, it's kind of hard to be excited in the general atmosphere as it is now. But, uh, yeah, so keep an eye out for that. I will talk to you soon, and uh, thanks for listening.